Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Crystal Fault, editor of the Toolkit. My guest today is Josephine Decker, uh, talking about her film, Madeline's Madeline. Uh, we're in the point in award season uh, where things are starting to narrow. Uh, start talking about a small group of films, which is why this week I want to talk, uh, we're going to do five podcasts this week instead of one, talking to filmmakers who made, by and large, smaller films this summer uh, that don't have that aren't having this huge awards push, but absolutely shouldn't be forgetting about in the context of the year's best films. Uh, I've talked to Lynn Ramsey about uh, You Were Never Really Here, Boots Riley, Sorry to Bother You, Ari Aster about Hereditary, Deborah Granick, Leave No Trace, and of course, Josephine about her wonderful film, <laughs> Madeline's Madeline. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris, for having me. Um, you know, before we talk about that one, though, I, you know, most of us became familiar with your work Kind of like when um, butter and you know I always this is my favorite one and I always mispronounce it the thou oh thou was <laughs> smiled lovely I love that yeah that was, but they, they they dropped kind of like at the same time yep. and stuff you know you were involved in other art forms right so like how did you come to to film and, and start making I mean I think you'd done some shorts before those but that yeah. kind of like coming to film well. Um, I, I started out in film and documentary, so my fir- it was my first job after college. I was working in ABC um, at in their TV documentary department, and I mean that at that point it wasn't it wasn't even their investigative department. It was the department that like takes all of their media and makes um, new stories out of it, you know. But they're telling stories that you kind of, if you've read some books, you would know before. You know, it's like we did a biography of um, Pope John Paul II. I did a biography of Vladimir Putin at the very fucking beginning of Vladimir Putin. It was so fascinating, and I remember playing his mom, actually. So these are like, like radio, these are like a- Yeah, because we couldn't find a Russian voiceover artist who could read English well enough to, like we, we had so many people come into the studio, these older women who had these Russian accents, and then, but they couldn't read English, you know, they'd be like, Vladimir was. A and they couldn't do it and so and eventually talking to all these Russian women I started to get so I remember doing the like Vladimir was a good boy you know a healthy boy you know just it's like these stupid lines that you you know you have to translate um, but I I mean I wanted to work in film I really music and writing were my passions really from when I was young I played piano really seriously I almost was interested in like going into music professionally mm-hmm. and then um, and then writing, my dad is a poet and um, on the side. He's a businessman in his day job, but he always was like obsessed with poetry. And so I was always exposed to a lot of poetry, and I think that has helped so much. I mean, when I think about, I mean, I just don't know if my work would be all that exciting <laughs> without that influence. Because um, I think it, you know, it's just interesting. Film is, I think film and poetry are image-based media. Mm-hmm. media. Um, and I think the fact that we've, kind of taken on, we've, I think film is really, uh, sorry, we're stuck on narrative, and maybe it has been for a while, and I think, but to me, there's something that happens at the end of a great poem, just like this flash of insight, it's almost like a lightning bolt to your heart, mm-hmm. it speaks to something that's like so human and so you, even though it's a poem written maybe 100 years ago. And I think ideally, that's the feeling that I want people to have in my films. Um, but to get there, you can get there with narrative for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of a journey, but I think that I think that when you get there with poetry, potentially the crack that it makes in you is larger because it's more mysterious. You had said something at one point. This is before Madeline's, where 
you know, obviously you did have different backgrounds, but that you never learned, and maybe this ties to the narrative, you never really learned how to make a film properly. Yes. And, and there's something about that with those two films um, where it feels like an artist trying to bend the medium to her to her will to a certain degree. <laughs> like, I'm going to do these poems. I, I mean, that, that's, that was my impression yeah. of watching these things, <laughs> where it was, it became this almost like this asset of like, and, and then reading about how you made those, it, it felt like there, you definitely had intention, you definitely had a sense of what you wanted, but there was an element of kind of playing with this, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to, how to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's really, it's, it's so interesting. I'm working on a new project um, about Shirley Jackson, the writer, and it's been so much, so much harder for me in certain ways because um, the film is serving the story, and usually, uh, I'm used to coming at it the other way. It's, it's, I mean, it's really nice to hear you say that because I'm like, oh, right, that's why this is challenging in a new <laughs> way because usually I'm... It's not, it's not that the film isn't serving a story, it's like the film is the story. Or something about, like, I guess I just shoot things and then turn them into a story in editing. Um, and then when the story's already there and there's less to do in editing, it's almost like edit, the editing process is it's a very different process, I guess, is maybe the... In the sense of the Shirley, because I know the the pitch for the Shirley, yeah. it has it has a has a very strong narrative hook. It has like uh-huh. it has a setup, and mm-hmm. I, maybe is that also part of it? Is that there's a, a not that you're not going to do your thing, but there's like a a core script and story that yeah. you you are telling versus yeah. something where one senses with those other those first two films and in Madeline's to a degree that there's there's relationships there, but you're almost exploring them while you're filming. You yes, know? yeah, exactly. Like the filming was like the bursting open of a story and this one was very much like everyone was really in love with the script everyone who worked on Shirley was really obsessed with and in love with the script as was I which is why I wanted to work on it um and then but it's just yeah it's just a totally different process and I think I'm holding myself to the bar of of bringing the kind of like cinematic magic that you when you don't have a story (laughs) you have to really create that in Mm. editing and like you have to kind of like create out of the images that you got a feeling or attention and you have to create a certain um, uh, like suspense I guess is the right way of putting it and then um, and then in a weird way it's funny because I think um, you know just suspense in imagery is very suspenseful in some ways suspense in imagery can be more suspenseful than like suspense in story, if, if that makes sense. And so it's been really interesting trying to figure out how to create now in editing, like bring in the suspense in imagery that um, that I'm used to just only being the only tool that I have. So because yeah. those films, those films, I, I, I want because I want to transition because you you approach Matt, you went into Madeline's a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. But these things were very much that was. Um, DSLR micro, like I think you had said at one point, I did a story about uh, Ashley, your cinematographer, and I think it was you that told me that uh, it's like four of you. It was like the two actors and your kind of PA costume designer script writer. I was like, yeah. But that was really, it was really this kind of like running around the woods figuring this out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. The DIYness is so freeing. It's so funny. It's also really funny. Then, I think we have this like um, funny expectation that when you make bigger movies, you have more freedom, or that you have more tools or more something. And it's actually you just have a lot more restrictions in a certain way. I mean, you definitely have in certain ways you have way more tools. I am so happy to not be a PA and a costume designer and a producer and and trying to be the writer and director of a movie, um, you know. But I think when you 
uh, it's just a different. It's actually I just I just really have felt in, as the movies I've worked on have gotten larger that it's a different medium that I need to start that I that I'm learning now, um, and that actually my biggest tool now is like I have to be so communicative to others so that they're really clear what I'm working on because if I'm not the costume designer like I need to make sure the costume designer is going to go weird you know the way that I want want to want her to go weird so um you have to give your attention to all these people and leave these things yeah. that be part of that conversation yeah yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, Madeline's Madeline, I, I didn't realize what a gift Madeline's Madeline was. I think of all the films I've worked on, that one has felt in a way so special because it had the most lead up time. I mean, Butter on the Latch, I had the idea, and then we shot the movie like t- three weeks later. Um, and that was Smile and Lovely. Similarly, like, I was writing a script, but we shot the movie like eight weeks after I finished writing the script. So it was just, it was just like, because they were tiny movies. and. Mm-hmm. You, you were just sort of like, oh, you know what, Joe Swanberg has 10 days at the end of August? Great, like, we're going to shoot then. Um, but with Madeline's Madeline, I wasn't exactly sure yet what the, what the story was going to be. I knew that Helena wanted to, I wanted her to be a center. I wanted to make something thematically related to mental illness and family and the subjectivity of performance and how that can be, like, liberating and also kind of terrifying. Um, but so I just got all these people in a room and was like, here's some themes, you know, and we started workshopping them and it was sort of... Um, some of this is based on, could you, could you maybe take a step back? Because yeah. I think part of this is I, I, the process of the story was something... Yeah. I, I think you're tapping into something that other... I don't know if it was like a theater group that you had been part of or, or mm-hmm. tapped into something. There was a, a process of story creation that you were kind of using for this, if you could talk a little bit about that. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, so I worked in my 20s a lot with this theater company Pig Iron and they um, they're so uh, they're so interesting and a lot of them studied at the Jacques Lecoq school in France um, learning physical theater and and theater of gesture and and I think what really is exciting about that kind of theater and about the whole Lecoq school and the Lecoq approach to theater was developing work out of the actors bodies and devising theater which is I mean devising theater was a thing but I think this this particular kind of devised theater was really focused on um, physicality, and so, and that was kind of the generation of the work, and you really trusted the actors to be writers in that world. Um, so, and I put myself into a year-long program with Pig Iron. I, I, Pig Iron taught a class at my university when I was in college back long now, fifteen years ago, and they, um, and then I really enjoyed. I loved working with them in that class, and I worked with them on a few productions after that, and then. But then put myself into their school. They now have a school, because I was like so interested in the process that I felt like they were uh, pursuing. Um, and I was also interested in a non-hierarchical writing process. I was curious, like how, how to create work with a group of people. And um, and ironically, like <laughs> you know, maybe what I took away from that year of, of that theater school and of the two years of really developing this project with those actors was that. Um, non-hierarchical hierarchical process I don't I haven't figured out how to do it yet you know like I would say our process was still very hierarchical like we did a lot of improvs but I went away and wrote the script and actually I mean that's what Pig Iron does too like they they have a writer they have a director the actors improvise a ton of amazing shit for weeks I mean they spend eight hours a day for like six weeks developing material which is a gift you know for Madeline's Madeline we spent like I guess it probably was like maybe eight to 10 weekends, so maybe it was like 20 days, which actually is, well, I don't know, I think about it, that is a good amount of time, that's like, that's like almost your, that's four weeks of rehearsal. <laughs> um, it's raw material for them. 
for then yes. you to take away. It's a lot right. of raw material for you to then take away, right? Yeah, the, the, oh my God, it was so much material. And, and there's so much good stuff that we didn't get to use. That's like the sad part, I guess. Um, that's so any process. For people that have seen the movie, how much of, you know, Molly Parker's character is going through something similar, is creating, I don't know how much the, what she's doing is modeled after me. Well, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna save that to the end, but I meant the the process. I mean, how much of right? I mean, I, it would definitely very meta. You know, I think at some point, um, well, I guess it's really actually fairly instantly when I got the actors together when we started workshopping, and then I remember we did a check in at the end of the first weekend or the beginning of the first weekend we worked together, and the stuff that people brought to it was so. Um, I mean, and a check-in is kind of by nature confidential, mm-hmm. um, but the the I think the the quality of the honesty that came out in those sessions of of sharing like what being in this rehearsal space meant to us and what we were personally each bringing into that space felt really um, it was like some world that I had always wanted to step into and I never felt invited to. And then I was so excited that I realized that I had just created it, you know, and it felt like magic. That was like our first rehearsal. And obviously also the first rehearsal is always like, um, it's like the honeymoon period. (laughs) And then it gets a lot harder. And so I think um, the film really, I think, follows follows in a way, you know, it's Madeline's journey, but it also is very much like my own journey of understanding, like, I think at the beginning, Madeline thinks that this troupe is just going to be fun and a safe place for her to discover. And then as the film goes along, it is not that. And I think that was also, for me, like bringing all these people together, I was like, oh my God, we fucking nailed it. This is amazing. Like, I wish we were just shooting this, these rehearsals. Like, this is the movie. And then as it went along, um, I started to be like, oh my God, I've engaged all these people. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I, I, have, I don't have a script. Like, and they're coming up with all this brilliant stuff, but how am I going to pull it all together? And like... Um, and, and just being really, at some point, worried about wasting everyone's time. Um, and also knowing that ultimately the film needed to star some, a smaller number of people than we had in that room, and that also the, that we needed some celebrity to raise the money to make the film at all. So it was just kind of like uh, reeling from all of these like potential ways of maybe disappointing these collaborators. Um, and they had just, I mean, they'd graced me with brilliance for a really long time. It had been such a wonderful, exuberant process. And I think we had a really good time in the process. And, and I mean, what was what I, the, to finish the point I was going to make much earlier was just that I didn't realize what a gift it was, even with all the struggles of that long-term process, to take that much time to develop something is mm-hmm. really rare in film. And it's with that many people. Usually, maybe the people who spend that long developing something are the writer and the director, but not the actors. And I and moving into Shirley, we had one and a half days of rehearsal for Shirley, which is like <laughs> incredibly challenging because then you're spending the shoot getting on the same page about what movie you're making and how you're shooting it and mm-hmm. and what is the perspective of the film. And you know, I think we one thing I took for granted on Madeline's Madeline was that we um, we had so much time to fucking get on the same page. And not just with me and the writer, who is also me, you know, I also engaged a co-writer, Donna Di Novelli, eventually, she's an amazing playwright. Um, uh, but, 
But with the cinematographer, Ashley, who was part of all those rehearsals, and also with our actors, who were ultimately in the film. And so it was just instantaneous, the language that was available to us as a community, because we had no time to shoot that movie, and we were so under-resourced for everything, and we had way too big of a cast for our budget level. But I think the reason it worked was that we had all this time. So even though we were crushed for time, the time that we'd spent leading up to it um, kind of allowed us this like freedom and the and a quickness that you maybe get only over you know years of working with people. And and, and your wonderful young lead, um, Helena Howard, yeah. it, she's part of the. I mean, I guess she you, was in this whole troupe, this whole journey. There's yeah. a, there's a part at which Molly Parker's character realizes that this is going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> this incredibly dynamic young young woman. Mm -hmm. um, my sense is that maybe you went into this knowing that that was your that's your protagonist, that's your way in. Is that is that? Yeah, key? but I think at some point I also was like, you know, but oh, we have all these great actors, you know, and, and maybe it'll go in, in another direction. Like, who knows, you know, what we'll discover here, or like maybe there'll be three protagonists. You know, it's just kind of like. Um, yeah, I had that openness that you have at the beginning of any process. I knew she, I knew she. She felt really, really central. I mean, always. She's, how young is she? I mean, how she was fifteen when I met her, and so and that's she had a lot just turned, to be in the, midst, guess, of, in the midst of all of this. Oh yeah. And, but she, uh, the little pieces that I've gotten and watching her, uh, not on screen, in one, one sense is that she threw herself into this and, and bought into it whole wholeheartedly. And, uh, I don't want to get in it, it, even just this element of what is her and what is not mm -hmm. her. It doesn't really matter. It's part mm -hmm. of like it was part of this process and this creation. Yeah, and yeah. She's well. I think one of the things I remember that her saying early on was like, "Acting is my life," and I think, and I think she still feels that way. I haven't asked her about it in a while, but I think for her it was this like, I think getting through being a teenager, um, at least for me. <laughs> was like this complicated thing where you were, I, I feel like being a teenager, especially if you feel like an outsider, which probably every single teenager does, even if they're the football you know, captain or whatever, um, that there's something that gets you through it. And I know, um, and I think for me, a lot of it was like poetry and piano. Like I was, I was playing a lot of piano really seriously when I was a teenager and I was on the cross country team, which was actually awesome. I was, it was, in Texas where like beauty was such a thing to be with this group of like sweaty girls every day was really important for I think growing up. Clears your head too at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, it does, it does. Mm -hmm. It was very hot in Texas at three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. Sometimes I'm like, should I sue? Like I have all these injuries from like, we ran 10 miles twice a week. Like that's way too much. Anyway, point is, that's, se that's separate, it's other notes. But the main point is it was a really good energy of the group. Um, and, but I think for her, acting was is like this safe place where, when all the other shit doesn't feel right and you don't feel like you fit in, and you know you're growing in ways that are confusing, and you're maybe with your parents things are like also complicated. Um, I, you know, that's speaking for myself. But I think for her, I, I just felt that acting was this. Um, uh, it was a place where she could be her fullest biggest, most alive, most beautiful mm -hmm. self. And um, and that was such a gift to us in that rehearsal space. I think we all felt that and that there was like a sanctity to performance for her that I think a lot of us lose over time. You know, like we don't, we forget that there's like a sacredness to what we're all doing and that it's like literally maybe this, the art that we're making is like the thing that keeps us going in life, you know? Um, yeah, so 
she always had that special energy. I remember even when she first walked into the room at the first rehearsal and just like this like quiet settled in and I just, I think everyone sensed that we were gonna do something profound because she was there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's the fragility of being a teenager too, which was also like, peop- I think the group as a whole was more sensitive, I think, with her around too. It seems a huge part of your filmmaking and maybe your art in general is movement is movement of the body. And so when we're talking about this, I know we're talking about character and talking about story, but one imagines even just watching the film, because we see the rehearsals, is that part of this is about finding that expression in the movement of the human body. Yes, yeah, and actually it's really fun. I'm talking, um, Sasha, Sasha, well, I don't know if I can talk, well, yeah, why not? Um, Sasha Mamet and I have been talking about developing like a horror film together and um, that would be very like movement-based kind of horror. Uh, but I think, yeah, I guess to some degree, I think that's the language I understand better than language. And is that a dance thing, Josephine? Is that is that dance back? Is that a feeling? I don't oh, know. Oh, dance. What, that, yeah, it comes from dance. I think I was a dancer. I was. I had. A, I didn't really speak when I was a child. So. I mean, this is like one of those funny things. But I was really, really shy. I had like one friend that I talked to for like when I was five, six, seven, and going through um, elementary school, and otherwise I just didn't speak to anyone. I mean, talk to the teacher, and. Um, but I started dancing when I was like four years old and I think I got to like, exp- I was like my full self, you know, I got to be me through dance. And, I, and, and also I think when you start that kind of learning that young, I'm just so grateful for it because it gives you all of these instincts about movement and context that like, even on Shirley, which is an incredible dialogue, there's such great dialogue in that film and, and Sarah Gubbins who wrote I Love Dick wrote that film and, um, uh, you know, and I wouldn't say that like with all of my films, like dialogue has not necessarily been my specialty in my work. Um, but it was so exciting to be like to realize that dialogue is music that you set to dance, which is mo- the movement or the blocking. And then, and once I started to realize that, I felt a lot more comfortable. And and I and I started to understand how it worked and how like in a scene where three actors, if they have a long conversation, like how do you break it up? How do you pull one, how does one get pulled away for a while? How do you create the tension of that person needing to come back? And so there was a lot of, it was it was really exciting to realize that even though I didn't think that was a tool that I had, these other tools from a whole other realm of life, which is kind of what you spoke of before, it's like, I don't, I you know, movement and music have really helped me in, in film. Is that also part of having Ashley take part of these rehearsals? Is that also having not only getting that blocking or getting those moments, but also figuring out a relationship of how the camera's gonna do Because I mean, I think in this day and age, we could talk about, oh, the camera is reactive and moves with, and I feel like that's kind of a trend in general that describes a lot of films, but I think what we're talking about is maybe something a little bit different in terms of um, not just a sense of intuition of where things are going, but also uh, the camera in and of itself being part of this improv, but mm-hmm. also movement. I don't know, maybe uh, that's, yeah, you should speak to it, but I'm wondering in terms of involving her, less than just showing her the scene, but also mm-hmm. having her be part of this process. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot too. Just, I've been thinking about why am I drawn to certain films and not to others. And I think a lot of it does have to, actually have to do with the camera, because I think there's, you know, to me it seems like obvious that the, the camera is the eye through which you see everything and that eye is alive, you know, it's the, the eye of the audience. And so I love to see through an alive eye that, that maybe gives, adds something to the feeling that the characters are creating. Um, and Ashley is like, I think in a weird way, working with Ashley taught me that. Cause she's 
she, you know, she comes from experimental film, but I remember in, um, I mean, I don't even remember what the part was in, in the script from That Was Smiles and Lovely that, that it was so poetic and it was just like kitchen utensils and um, pipes and, and you know, she, she was like dreaming about all of these like um, weird wiry objects like while she's masturbating. And I remember being like, how the fuck are we going to shoot this? And Ashley was like, I'm just going to lie down <laughs> and shoot the sky. And I remember we were all like, cool, you know, and then, and then and she's like, and everyone just, just, and she's like, bring all the tool, bring all the weird shit out here. And the, and the, our art director brought all the like, you know, egg whisker and like forks and, you know, spatulas out. To, and, and she was like, okay, now just like, you know, use them over me, you know? And I remember, and I think um, it was such a beautiful way, you know, that was one of the things I sort of also learned about about writing and poetry is that when your when your script is very poetic and doesn't it's not like a clear pathway for everyone you come you have to force to like figure it out and mm-hmm. engage your collaborators in a different way and I was just I remember being so, so grateful that Ashley it gave her a space to visualize that world in, in such an immersive way you know and and I think that's like I think Ashley in that way kind of is naturally like a dancer with the camera and she's. I think partly because she's a she feels you know more than she thinks, which is um, so valuable. Because I yeah, it's fortuitous. It's I mean maybe I mean maybe things aren't fortuitous that you guys find each other because like minds find each other, especially <laughs> in, in the art world. But I mean in that sense that like when one thinks about you with your earlier films and that sense of trying to figure things out and and then relying on a, a cinematographer in terms of composition and things. Yeah. I, I think that the, the leaning on a cinematographer is you know, quote, cover their asses, like in that sense of get the coverage, get the standard coverage, whereas she, she for her, it was like yeah. this freedom to all these experimental film bag of tricks that she doesn't get to use and to like interpret it and do things yes. like that. And that one can imagine that just being such an important element of playing rather, because if you ended up in the ending room with a master and a wide and a, yeah. you, you would have been. It's much, yeah, it feels, feels limiting. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been interesting too. It's funny on Shirley, all the crew members were like, well, your process is very different. Your process is very different. Pro- and I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I, and I, you know, I had really had no idea what they were talking about. But then I sl- slowly started to realize that like the process, my process of shooting is very rehearsal reliant. So we would take you know what everyone considered way too long in rehearsal in the mornings and then and it's built out of the movement of the bodies and the camera and so it's not like I come in sometimes you like for really complex things you come in with a shot list and you're like okay let's check them check them off but I didn't realize that that's how film I didn't even know that's how filmmakers do things that you come in with you're like all right we need the close-up of this and we need the insert of this and we need this is this like I'm more like let's find the scene and then I like I'm like to the camera person um, Shirley was the first time I hadn't worked with Ashley. I was like, just, you know, just feel it, you know, like just follow the emotions, you know, and, and, and it was so fun to kind of like, um, uh, work in that free, it's fun to work in that free way. And I think sometimes when it's really working, there's like a magic that enters the space that is like really palpable and the actors feel very much like in communion with the cinematographer. I'm sure that other people who do things differently find that magic in different ways, but, um, but you're basically, I think what I'm speaking to is that, you know, Ashley kind of trained me out of standard coverage. And then it, and then it was funny on Madeline's Madeline. She'd worked on all these films, you know, in between. It was like four years from when we shot That Was Smiles and Lovely to when we shot, wait, is that true? Four years? Oh my God, it was that long um, to when we shot Madeline's Madeline. And so um, we, uh, 
she'd been working on all these much more standard coverage movies, and I, I remember like having a conversation and kind of reminding her, like, I'm like, Ashley, what are you, where's, you know, like, don't forget, like, what we do. Like, you don't need to get the close-up and then the wide. Like, just, like, go. <laughs> and it was really, um, anyway, I really like working with her in that way. But one thing you guys did with this movie that is very intentional and is used in, in specific moments is, is that blurring that, you know, it's never really named mm -hmm. whatever, um, Madeline's, I mean, she, she has some mm -hmm. form, I, I mean, I think it's inferred that she has some, mm -hmm. or at least has been diagnosed or been treated for some form of mental illness, and that it's not something that you name, but there is this element of entering her kind of blurred subjectivity, these moments that are almost like dreamlike, in, yeah. and then, which is such a juxtaposition to when whatever that device was that's <laughs> doing that, it, it, it's just more standard, you know, mm -hmm. coverage. But I mean, that, I wonder if you could talk about that device and that kind of blurring and when you decided to use that. Well, we, you know, Ashley, having been part of all of the um, rehearsals and then and knowing Helena and knowing my vision for the piece and then also um, uh, reading many versions of the script, because there were many, many versions of that script, I think she really understood the story and this this idea of like when are we going like inside of her experience and like into her mind, and and that we really needed to visually differentiate that from the rest of the film. And and I remember her I remember her saying um, like I have a technique I've been saving, and she's like, I guess I'll use it here. <laughs> she's like, you know, I was gonna save it for a music video, but like, you know, I think we can use it in this movie and. Um, and so that was kind of the, the technique, which was she built this very special rig for that those scenes, um, the scenes that would kind of go inside of Madeline's mind. And 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 sometimes when there were just scenes that were like, when you were kind of like in this dreamy, like what's going on, like when she um, is on stage and there everyone's like she's she's act, she's performing in a pig mask, and um, so we kind of tried to use that um, dreamy, otherworldly, you know. I think focus is a thing that Ashley and I both like don't care that much about and I, I really think focus can be very distracting because I think the emotional focus is what matters and often I think in our lives we have an experience where things feel emotionally blurry you know like where you literally are like I do not know how to feel and I think um, letting something go out of focus and come back into focus like allows you to um, experience that more directly I guess and um, and it's not even, you know, I, I know in Better on the Latch, people were always saying, like, this whole movie's out of focus. And I was just like, I didn't even notice. I was just drawn to, you know, because we've shot plenty of things that were also totally in focus, you know. But I was always drawn to those things and, like, letting things leave the focus. And, and I think Ashley is really comfortable with making things in that way. And um, so it was exciting to, to work like that. And did you leave this extensive rehearsal process with, with what, most people would consider like a straight script. Did you leave with like, or is, is it is it more note? I mean, is it more notes? Is it more structure? Like is what it, did we shoot from yeah. ultimately? I mean, is, were you handing out like a shooting script? I did, yeah. And I mean, for Madeline's Madeline, we, you know, I would say we left the rehearsal process with tons of stuff and I, me having no idea. And then I spent like a year working on it. And actually my boyfriend really helped me. He's he, he's been through a lot of writing labs and, and I remember going for walks with him and he would just like be like, what are you, is the story you're telling? What's at the center of this? Because I would, you know, get kind of distracted by all the magic that we found. And, um, uh, but, but then going into the shoot, yeah, we had, a, we had a script. I mean, and it's pretty much what we shot. I mean, the one thing that I, um, Miranda was so adorable. She, she asked when I 
wrote her and we were talking about her being in the film, Miranda July, she was like, I want you to audition me. She's like, I want you to make sure that I'm what you want for this. And also I think it was for her, for her like her chance to also just explore me more. And, um, and so we did this like really weird audition process, which was really more like a three hour rehearsal where mm-hmm. we were just like, I had, I did all my weird shit. I like had everyone like moaning into each other's bodies and creating like physical sculptures and then characters out of those sculptures. And um, but she at the end we ran through a scene and I was like, cool. What if we just like forget about the lines? Don't say the lines and like, why don't you just improvise? And like what came out of her mouth was just such solid gold because Miranda July is a genius and she's a writing genius and and also when you drop her into a character she's like she's already writing that character in her mind all the time anyway so it was just anyway so that was kind of the one place where we did a lot of improv was like her scenes are just and you know I would just like let her go <laughs> in general though like, there's an element here of and this is just from having launched the film. One sense is that you, in production, although I'm sure you're under time constraints and, and all of that, uh, maintain an element of improv, of freedom of movement, of some, I mean, I guess you have to have it within some structure and there's script, but I mean, how do you take that script and maintain, or maybe they just did that, you know, they just, in these like very set performances, but it feels like they had freedom. It feels like there's a oh, right. there's an improv nature in how it was and shot. How it was shot. Well, a lot of I think that has to do a lot with the physicality too. Because, I mean, we did improvise a lot of the physical stuff, and a lot of we. Although we actually had choreography for a lot of the dance things, but, um, you know, yeah, I think. I think that part of the thing about having so long to develop the work was that everyone knew that their voice was valuable to the project, I, at least I think and I hope, and I think everyone knew that they were there as, as really integral collaborators. Um, and so when, you know, we were, we, all, we even though I was the one who went away and wrote, wrote a script, I think we were all always imagining ourselves as writers mm-hmm. um, on the project together. And so I think when, when we made the film, I think there was a sense that writer, de, that anyone was allowed to contribute anything they wanted to at any time. And I think there were moments when that felt like the right thing to do and people really went there. And there were moments where that felt like the wrong thing to do and people held back and let the story play out as written, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I would really attribute that to that because I, I mean, the uh, the only other thing I'll say is that I think a lot of times if things feel stiff on set, I kind of do maybe what it's called like a, a freedom take, um, uh, or, or I also will try to do it even once we feel like we have a scene. I'll say like, let's do now. Let's like now that we have it, mm-hmm. let's just do one where you're like you just do whatever you want. Like you know what I mean? Maybe say the lines, maybe don't say the lines, and maybe and usually that leads people to find something that's much more organic and like emerges from them as opposed to like an idea or it's also you know I always think it's a funny thing that happens you know an actor feels like they need to like really work hard until they get the scene and then they kind of relax and then once they feel like they have the scene it's like something much more um, peacefully real come come can emerge and so so often it was kind of trying to push for that or um, yeah you know even when you follow a script posts can go in a lot of different directions but how much of this is a story being restructured reinvented in post is that is is that process that you went through in writing and in shooting is that does that continue in in, in post not obviously you're being creative with the edits and stuff but i'm also talking about like the story yeah. itself yeah oh yeah i mean 
for Madeline's Madeline, it's like huge changes. And I think, and I, I mean, I sort of shot myself in the foot with our post on Madeline's Madeline because I, I remember the script being, cra- the script was crazy, and I was just like, well, we always solve it in editing. We always solve it in editing, but the. For Butter on the Latch and That Was Mild and Lovely, those were actually really simple storylines that are really straightforward and have a very clear like first act, second act, third act. They also were both like heavily editing-reliant, but there was a very simple story that had pretty clear um, turning points. Madeline's Madeline, like, it was just like this weird world with this mom, and this weird world with this teacher, and then this weird world with this troupe, and then eventually there was like a climax, you know? <laughs> and so it was kind of figuring out how to create a tension that people were um, following, and um, it's really interesting, actually. I was really lucky that um, I've been working a little bit with this editor, Billy Weber, on Shirley. Uh, it's amazing. He edited, he edited like a bunch of Terrence Malick's work, but he also edited Top Gun and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And and he was like, Madeline's Madeline is a very straightforward movie. And I was like, Billy, you should have seen the fucking forty <laughs> weeks I spent in editing trying to figure it out. And he's like, No, it's very clear. It's a very clear story. And it was um, interesting to hear him say that because I think. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's seen a lot of movies and um, has a certain perspective, but um, but I, th- I, I felt really like that was kind of a coup because it felt so unclear to me <laughs> the is, whole time. Is that, is that a question over the 40 weeks for you of what is clear and what is not clear in that sense of like you're seeing something, you're emotionally reacting to something, but what is translating? Is it, was there an element of like, how clear do I need to make this film? Yeah. Yeah, there was... Is that the notes you're getting back to? Well, kind of. I mean, we... Towards the end, when we were trying to really wrap it up, um, it was pretty much only women were responding to films. The two, Madeline's Mountain and Men, didn't like it very much. And David Barker, who is a genius and who I work with on pretty much all my films and has been the main editor on Shirley, and he went on paternity leave, having a baby. He had a baby. So um, anyway, he's taking a break. That's why Billy filled in. Um, But... uh, he is, he's really great with structure and with emotional structure and with creating emotional tension out of really anything, honestly. Um, he's kind of a genius at like making a whole new world in the edit. Um, but he, I think what he said, because I was like, women love this movie and maybe men just will never like it. And he's like, I, he's like it means that your, your structure isn't working yet because when your structure works, everyone will relate to this film, you know? And, and then it's been, I was thinking about it because I was thinking that like the biggest champions of this film have been a lot of like the male critics actually. It's, it's really been interesting. It might just, I, I work with one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sit next to one. <laughs> and it's really been, I'm so grateful for them. And I'm also, and I'm also grateful honestly that David, you know, it was like harrowing because we had, we basically had a cut um, and then we were trying to submit to Sundance and, and with David, we kind of, uh, we really changed everything and I was really not sure if this more structured version was going to like lose some of the essence and I had one friend who's a um, a teacher actually she teaches film school and she was like you've got to leave it weird don't like put all this structure on it and then I had this like stru- structured edit that some people it, so it's just like ah you know it's kind of like you're in this um, I just think editing is you kind of go into the fires of hell or whatever because you're alone and you have no idea what's There's working. There's also those voices. The, 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 yes. That's the part. You, you've brought all these voices along who yes. have a piece of them in there. And, yeah. have a, and that's, that. I think, that contradiction, right, between the beauty of that process mm-hmm. but then at the end of the day, like, editing can't right. be the <laughs> everybody's point of view. It, um, and this started with the, the first two films. And I don't know, maybe this is a music background, but... Um, the use of sound in music in your movies is 
is both wonderful but also very distinct and bold. Um, I remember the animal noises so distinctly <laughs> and, and now, but I mean, but, um, could you talk about that? Because I imagine that's also, a, that's not separate from what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh God. I mean, I, I, no. Let me, let me just actually tee this up one way. How separate, when you're thinking about these things, is sound in music? Because one senses the sound design in the music. Mm. There's a, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that's one thing that you can do is create a unity mm -hmm. between them. But one senses with this movie that they were kind of almost born together. Yeah, this that's really a good way of putting it. I mean, this. So I and also I. So I mean, I used to, on Butter on the Latch. I remember putting in like carefully putting in all these little like cracks for when they're walking for the tree branch through tree branches. Like I was really sound designing a, a ton, you know. And I remember handing it over to the sound designer, and he's like, "You've done a lot of my work for me," you know, on that movie. And then I sort of learned that I don't have to do all that work. <laughs> but um, uh, the for Madeline's Madeline, and you know, I knew I would be working with Martin Hernandez, who and he worked on that with Smiles and Lovely as well. He's a genius. He did. Um, Birdman and The Revenant, he's just like, I think one of the greatest sound designers in the world, if not the greatest sound designer in the world. So I've, I learned to sort of like rely on him and also I think my the way that I like to collaborate with people who are great at their jobs is to really like let them do their thing. I, I really like working with people who I have to rein in. It's not so fun to work with someone that you have to be like, have more ideas, you know, like giddy up. <laughs> we, were drawn to, we were just talking about Ashley in that sense, but one sense is that they're not only drawn to you as an artist, but also drawn to the fact that you want them to probably push some form of, you know, her blurry experimental mm -hmm. stuff that he can maybe do things that he can't do in another movie, yeah, right? Like, right. and kind of be, be a little bolder, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think I think he was ready for that kind of project when we um, worked on That Was Smiles and Lovely. And, and he, um, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, speaking to the music and the sound, I mean, it's really interesting because in the film itself, there's like an we were always as a group making music with our bodies like that was kind of just part of what we were doing when we were rehearsing it just partly because it was fun but also to bond and like make music dance and um, and I think because there was so much of that that we even captured when we were shooting I, I sort of knew that um, that the sounds of the body were going to be a central element to the film, and so I want. When I was looking for music, I tried to focus on music that was just purely coming from the human body or the human voice. So that's why Caroline Shaw's music is the music throughout her work is unbelievable. Um, and we just licensed all the music. I still I'm, I'm about to work with a composer on a film for the first time, but I've I've really never done that. I, on this one, we just licensed all the music um, on all the films. I and guess. And you're cutting to that. And we cut to the music. And I think that's been really important for me, too, because I think sometimes when you find a really strong, you know, like, um, passionate um, musical journey, mm -hmm. you can you can let that be your guide, too. Because I think, you know, it's, a form, it's definitely a form of structure that we all understand intuitively, that emotional structure, which I would argue that poetry and music have that in common. Um, it can and, fill in for some of the narrative stuff that you don't want to do. Exactly. Right, right, right. It gives you a lot of freedom that, you know, to, to reach the same emotional space in it through a different means. Um, uh, yeah, and so then by the end, I mean, I remember when Martin watched the film and we talked through it for sound design, he was like, I'd really like to bring out the music. I want to rely really heavily on it. I think it's amazing and we should let it let it play. And, and then, you know, and Mar Martin is so wonderful. I mean, he really gets inside of films and what they're saying. And I think a lot of the, the film was really deeply enhanced by his work. Because I think 
sometimes, you know, the cuts, edits to inside of Madeline's mind could be really jarring and and potentially lose an audience. But when they're when they're supported by like this kind of dreamy way of like entering almost like the subterranean world and like feeling like you're going down below water when you're inside of her mind, which is like swimming with maybe either confusion or a feeling of uh, feeling out of control. I think it really enhances and it actually gives clarity to the film that you're doing something that's like so unclear. You're like, oh, this is her world and it's really chaotic for her. So, um, I mean, this just, that was just another example of like every collaborator on that film really knowing what film we were making. Um, yeah, I wish I had two years to, you know, be, work with every collaborator before we made the movie. <laughs> Any, every movie. <laughs> we touched upon this in, in um, the beginning, but... There's an element with your process here. Um, one senses that, you know, looking at it through the par- Molly Parker character, mm-hmm. a constant questioning, a constant questioning of well, what am I doing? What am I doing trying to tell this this girl's story? What am I doing with you know all these different voices and, and controlling it? And I never interpreted. Molly Parker as being you because you eventually throw that character. I don't want to ruin the movie, but 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 one sense is that almost through that character, um, you kind of almost kept yourself in check. Like I don't want to do some of the things that she's like. Mm-hmm. You've made her make choices that maybe you intentionally tried to avoid. Is that is that that was yes. how I took it after I one, watched it the second time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was she was like the worst version of me. If everything went really wrong, <laughs> that's maybe how that would have gone. <laughs> I was glad that it didn't go that way. Yeah. And that was a is that almost like something that kept you in the is that a way of like kind of Well, I mean no, I think I think I think in the process of making this film I felt like I made tons of mistakes and I feel mm-hmm. like I disappointed lots of people in different ways. I mean, I guess my question is how much of it this in that this film is so process based. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just where am I going with this, but also questioning yourself mm-hmm. as an artist. I'm wondering at what point that stops and you're like I've got something and I'm moving forward versus the kind of questioning where you are and your your role in telling this. You mean like when do I stop writing the script or when do I stop worrying if I'm doing the wrong thing? Yeah, worrying about doing the wrong thing. I mean, I never stop that. That Mm -hmm. keeps going throughout the whole thing. I mean, I think that's why that was what I wanted to make a movie about because I was like, this is an anxiety that's like eating me alive. Uh, It's the only thing I can think about, so I might as well put it into something. (laughs) Um, But I also, you know, the... um, I think it's uh, for me a little bit too making that project was so much about intimacy it was like a, it was a project that was about like when you do let someone down or when you what is the process of forgiveness also and of self forgiveness when you're um, when you fuck something up um, and I think the movie I think that's probably partly probably why the movie ends on a lighter well, I shouldn't I shouldn't give anything away, but um, it, it doesn't really end on like no necessarily. You can interpret the ending very many different ways, but um, I think the way the reason the ending w- is the way it is, I think, is partly because I felt like the film was about like knowing yourself more, and that that can be an ecstatic or a or a really chaotic and nightmarish process, and probably it's both, you know, and that's maybe mo- the most true thing. Um, so. Uh, yeah, and I feel really grateful that I got to make it, in, that I got to make this film, make all those mistakes with this amazing group of collaborators who were like, who shared a very intimate and um, sometimes controversial space. And, and then, and like, 
let me fall and fall over and pick myself back up. And, and I think we all did that in certain ways. That's kind of what an intimate process like that allows. I think that's why the movie was in some ways the hardest movie I've, I've ever made, but also the most rewarding, yeah. Now, you've already talked a lot about relating this to Shirley, which was going to be my last question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've answered a lot of that. But I, I'm curious, though, you know, this is such an interesting process. One imagines, I don't know if you could, you want to throw mm -hmm. yourself into something, do this again, but did, you emerged, I imagine, a different filmmaker, knowing a little bit more about, like, what it is that you want to do and how that's going to apply. Part of this is about searching for story, but one also imagines it was searching for yourself as a director and, yeah. what, and what, how you want to work. Yes. I, I think I thought that the process of Madeline's Madeline was so chaotic that I was like, I'm so excited to just make a film from a script that's written and uh, that will just be so much easier and it's not my writing and so my, my whole guts aren't hanging out. But then the truth is, like, your guts still are kind of hanging out and, um, and it's hard in a different way. It's just hard in a different way. It's like, you know, when it's not your writing, you really have to work to get inside of what's happening in, in the writer's mind and, and how do you turn that into cinematic language. And, um, uh, and I think it's also, and then I, I think my, maybe my biggest strength and weakness is that I feel very beholden to people. And so like on Madeline's Madeline, I felt so like, you know, like I hope everyone's having a good time, you know? And then on Shirley, I think I learned, I had to, you know, sort of learn that like even though it was her writing I'm the director you know and that ultimately I'm the person watching it in the editing room and you know taking this on the full process so uh, you know it was kind of like learning how to own someone else's material too um, but you know when I think about usually I think every film I make is a reaction to the last film and like I think I made Shirley because I was dying to not have a really like really intense like dramatic soulful like soulfully exhausting process and then I made Shirley and it was different you know challenging in different ways and now I'm dying to get back into a rehearsal room and make something as you do want to you want it oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. really want to just get messy again and and have some ideas when I go in but like not not necessarily know everything and work with a group of actors to develop a project so that, that's kind of and that may be, maybe like in terms of the way that I write my own stuff, that's probably how I'd like to do it from now on, even though I, you know, maybe made a little bit of a mess the first time, but it was a good mess. I think it was the kind of mess we all liked. So I just it came out so yeah. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. That's a wonderful, it's a beautiful process too. You know, it's not, I don't, I don't know if I'd recommend it for everybody, but it's like, <laughs> I love it when people, filmmakers, find some, you know, trying to figure, trying to explore the medium and find a process that gives them a venue to do it, you yeah. know, uh, no matter how infuriating or <laughs> frustrating right, right. or, it, it, you know, it's how you end up with something new, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Right, but, I yeah. hope so. I know, so it's like, that's something I really think about a lot. Process is the product, ultimately. Well, thank you for coming in and talking about some wonderful thank film. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Your questions are amazing, by the way. It's really easy to talk to you. <laughs> I'll cut that part out. <laughs> no, you don't need to. <laughs>